This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the very first episode of No Joke with Billy and Adam, the podcast where we tackle a theme oh so loosely by talking about our previous, present, and future experience with it. Today's experience wraps around the concept of firsts. It is the first episode of this, the No Joke Podcast, and we hope you enjoy it. Okay, welcome to the No Joke Podcast with me, Billy Scafuri, and... Me, Adam Lustick. That's two men talking in one room. Holy crap, it's never been done before in the history of podcasts. Good voice. Thank you. If the whole, if I just maintain that sort of half falsetto for the entirety of this, these podcasts are all about precedents. Once you set a precedent, you have to Stick maintain with it. it okay. That's, people are expecting you to talk like this, this for the duration of the episode. Halfway to Neville Brothers. That's what they call that. Halfway, <laughs> halfway to Neville. You went half Neville on the inaugural podcast, Adam. Exactly. It's like a half Nelson, but a half Neville. <laughs> <laughs> they don't teach that in wrestling class. <laughs> Um, this is the No Joke Podcast. Um, you and I have been uh, comedy partners for 12 years now, Adam. Although it seems like 12 million. Yeah. It seems like we've been doing it forever. It's hard to remember what we were before <laughs> yeah. these weird sketch comedian actor hybrids. It's I, really taken our entire adult lives. For the past three years, I think I've assumed that you and I were born, literally born together doing comedy together. So you, that's how I've assumed it would You know happen. how people say that you start to look like your dogs over time? <laughs> yes. We've been friends for 12 years, and from 12 years ago till today, people have increasingly said, are you cousins? Like, are you brothers? To the point where it's the answer is yes. Yes, we've told that to many a waitress. <laughs> exactly, that we're cousins. <laughs> Just ride that way. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it gets us free barbecue sauce in Charleston, South Carolina. That was the story sometimes. I was alluding to as well. <laughs> okay. So sometimes us lying about our vaguely familiar relationship pays off. Can you just tell the people at home uh, briefly about yeah. that story? Because I think it colors the nature of our relationship yeah. and generally the stupid but committed uh, personalities we'll bring yeah. to the world and this podcast. You might have to help me fill in some of the holes, but yes. we were down in Charleston, South Carolina with our sketch comedy group, Harvard Sailing Team, performing right. at their Spoleto Festival. So it was like gorgeous summer's day. I was injured. Because I had hurt my ankle, I think. Yes, you had sprained your ankle. I sprained my ankle. Playing basketball about a week before leaving for Charleston. That's right. That's right. Uh, and uh, so after one of the shows, uh, well, this is maybe a separate but related story. The team was sort of out and about. And I remember you and I sort of amble. You sort of literally escorted me back to the house that we were renting because I was like. You I couldn't go bar hopping. No way. I couldn't go hopping. Right. I, I was hopping, so I couldn't go bar hopping. Right. Right. So we went back to the house, and it was actually on that walk back to yes. the house where I believe that yes. our comedy duo-ship was sort of conceived. That's true. That was on that walk back to that house that Funny once. enough. Yeah. Right. You know, the, the we started with telling a story about how you and I then ended up getting barbecue sauce <laughs> and lying to a waitress and saying, I think your name was Casey. And she was so charmed by us that the next day we went back and she said, Casey, and gave us six free bottles of barbecue sauce. Like delicious. Shout out to Sticky Fingers in Charleston, South Carolina. Delicious barbecue sauce. Yes. That yeah. lasted in my fridge for like four <laughs> different apartments in Queens. Exactly. That was like spanned four different Christmases. But the better <laughs> story kind of tucked away is the one you fell into which yeah. was that on that hobbled walk back yeah. from that show yeah. you and i decided that we wanted to be performing more and doing more together that's right and that bled into what became our two-man comedy team and also our two-man rap group snakes. snakes exactly and i think it was on that walk literally where you where we were like you know because billy you and i have always loved hip-hop and that's yeah. something that we've always shared obviously um and and you know you could, you are really good at freestyle rapping i have sort of like 
done it enough times where now I feel like there's I have like a degree of competence, but like and Billy will be humble about this listening audience, but you're really, really good at it. And okay. like it's a natural skill that you have, obviously. Allow me to be humble and also turn the mirror of compliments back at you. Okay. I am pretty good at writing lyrics or at least uh, saying lyrics in a freestyle rhyme. True. What you have, which is crucial in uh, the freestyle comedy world, is inherent charm. Oh, yeah. So much about it. And this is where you say – this is where you get humble and you say, oh, okay, 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 okay. You, Thomas Middleditch, I've lost – UTK, I've lost to these – you guys who maybe don't rap UTK does uh, as much as they usually do, but they're just so charming. It goes People a long way. like you. It goes <laughs> self-deprecation and honesty and being able to call out ex- precisely how mediocre your rap skills are in a com- in the comedy rap battle context. That can go a long way. That can, <laughs> that <can> definitely. <laughs> that'll get you to at least 40 minutes into the show. Easy. You weren't introduced and then ushered off the stage immediately. <laughs> exactly. The audience will remember your name. Exactly. But, but I do it, believe it was on that walk where you were like, should we just be called Snake? Right. We have always defaulted to what's the dumbest first thing that comes to mind? Let's just stick with that. And let's follow that. Let's follow that impulse. You know, it's really cool that we somehow stumbled into uh, the moment where you and I kind of decided, let's do more. Let's start making stuff. Because this is now our first podcast. Yeah. We've recorded some podcasts that never made it to the air in New York like five years ago. (laughs) Just like the Samuel Beckett play of a podcast, like if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, is it a podcast? Right. (laughs) I have on a Dell computer from eight years ago four podcasts from Billy and Adam that the world has never heard. Shout out Craig Rowan, shout out Arthur Meyer. Yes. Our friends that came over to your apartment in Queens and we just talked with them and Matt Fisher talked with them for a while at a kitchen table and then just had that forever. Right. We needed about seven years to pass and to make friends with people who have the real equipment and can actually facilitate us doing something like this. Apple computers, not just Dell. No. They have app, there are Apple computers here in the studio. Multiple computers, multiple body, bottles of whiskey in the yeah. studio. We have we, This is a proper podcast it's environment. It's set up. It's set up. And it has led us to, no joke, Yeah, this podcast. Yeah. And what we're trying to do on this podcast is to uh, pick a theme, mm-hmm. pick some sort of topic. Yeah. And then over the course of maybe three different segments, talk about our previous relationship with it, our current relationship with it, and what we hope our future relationship could be exactly. with it. It's a, it's a sort of a loose structure that hopefully will facilitate silly and goofy and wackadoodle conversation. Right. Basically. I think that when we are most often uh, asked to do a project, it's with the hope that we will bring our wackadoodle personas with us. And I like to think that my wackadoodle persona never leaves me. I mean, you opened the podcast by saying half Neville. Half Neville. That is. We got to half Neville up here. It's up here is half Neville. That <laughs> is definitively. Wackadoodle. That's wackadoodle. <laughs> um, firsts. Yeah. Firsts. First. So first times. South Carolina is the first time that you and I kind of made that big declaration yeah. to start something new. Yeah. And what did we – this is really just a, yeah. an open question just yeah. to remember. What was the first thing we decided to do? Was it rap or was it stand-up comedy together? That's a great question, Bill. I th- Well, I certainly remember, like we mentioned, that sort of the genesis of the conversation was definitely sort of – there was the inkling of having this hip-hop duo that was like rattling around. I feel like you were my collective brains for a while. Right. That was just like we almost could not – like we loved rap music too much to not do it. Right. Like we had to, yeah. I felt like. <laughs> especially at that age, at like 25. Yeah. And especially if you are supported by an artistic community, you are so prolific. Yeah. And if you have an urge – it's not just a fleeting thought. I mean, at least the artists that we kind of surrounded ourselves with mm-hmm. capitalized on any stupid decision yeah. because that was just 
their piece of art in the moment. Exactly. You know? And it was just so nice to sort of be able to lean into something that we had a natural proclivity towards and like, an interest in. And it was just so fun. It's like rapping. It's still, I still stand by this bill. It's like, yeah, this are sort of snakes life, which we are honestly and genuinely thrilled to introduce to listeners of this podcast. These, this sort of catalog of, of weird, fun, bizarre music that we made, which I'm so indelibly proud of. And yes. I think is still, I really am too. So am I, man. And yeah. to me, it's like, the feeling and the pure adrenaline and the serotonin that would course through my body when we would do our weird hip-hop rap shows at midnight at the right. UCB after having already done a 90-minute sketch show previously, like right. an hour previous, those Makes are— Makes you feel like a rock star. Total rock It really does. Yeah, it really does. Uh, and those those are e- easily—I mean, continue to be some like my fondest and most exhilarating performance experiences. Yeah. And I hope that we can get back to that. Yeah, I think that, I think that for me— I grew up in Long Island, and it was uh, not machismo, but you wanted to be good at sports. Sure. Men were, in quotes, men, Mm -hmm. you know, and (laughs) that will, that got a lot of those men into problems later in life. Right. In Uh, quotes, problems. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So I would say that one of the biggest firsts for me, at least looking back, um, like the most important first for me was when Chris and I uh, decided to start the Harvard sailing team. Right. Or at least to like follow this kind of idea that we had. I was still living in Long Island at the time. Right. And Chris was graduating NYU. Right with us. This is in 2003. Three. Okay. Right. And we are literally snail mailing scripts Amazing. back to one another without any idea that these would get produced or anything. You would literally type up a script and put it in an envelope and yes. mail it to Chris in New York. And I imagine that that was probably like 90% a sign of the times. Yeah. And 10% me and Chris's just kind of fundamental what we think is funny in the world you know kind of that it should be noted for anyone listening at home chris smith you heard him on the fantasy football podcast he was my first friend age four and moving forward literally first friend right so um so we started harvard sailing team and this now took me out of the world of long island and into kind of what you were already doing, which was the world of the arts in NYU and just downtown New York and just a completely different lifestyle. New York City theater weirdness. Right. Yeah. Um, But that was a complete pivot point in my life where I suddenly wasn't on a team with athletes. I was, this is going to sound super dorky, a team with actors. Seriously. (laughs) It was an acting team. (laughs) Which uh, on the mathematical scale is the opposite of a team of athletes. (laughs) It's actually the the empirical mathematical opposite of a rugby team would be an improv team. But we treated it uh, just regarding the process of young artists, we treated it like a professional sports That's team. true. We did. We sort of approached our comedy lives with this sort of athletic rigor where we would pra- practice. Seriously. <laughs> rehearse every week. And we had sort of shows every Friday and we were in this routine. And it was. It was. Sort with of, strict rules. Yeah. You know, people had to bring ideas to rehearsal. We yeah. knew exactly how we would rehearse. Yeah. And for someone who had no previous experience myself, um, seeing how a rehearsal room works and how, from an outsider's point of view, it's seems so silly yeah you know so just like embarrassing yes but once you start living in it and you start saying oh this is great yeah it starts becoming something you want to do and we did that for six or seven years years and that was our life i mean that was like and still i feel like it's like the main sort of fundamental building block of our collective artistic life was the formation of the harvard sailing team and thank god that you did bill because it was not only a first for you but it was a a pivot point but it was a pivot point for all of us totally yeah (laughs) and your and chris's sort of semi-private decision to start this sketch comedy group has had literally a decades long ripple effect on nine of your closest peers isn't that incredible it's incredible yeah it is incredible which brings us to this yeah you know? and here we are 
So uh, we did that for like six or seven years, yeah. and then you and I were in South Carolina, like yes. you mentioned, and we said we want to start duo. doing this two-man thing. Yeah, and I want to think back to your original question about what was the first thing that we did. In my memory, I think that I think it was. Here's what it was. It was literally at under St. Mark's. Yes. And now it's coming fully flooding back to me. So not all of our listeners are from downtown New York That's right. or know what under St. Mark's is. <laughs> yeah. But it's worth – I'm curious to hear how you would describe an honest depiction of the under St. Mark's theater in downtown New York City. I would describe under St. Mark's the theater as the sort of cartoon version of what you think sort of like downtown 1986 Andy Warhol era New York would be in that it was it was on St. Mark's in the East Village, tattoo shops and head shops all lining the block, sort of what you would imagine the East Village would be. But then under St. Mark's was a basement space and you had to descend this narrow, awkward stair case right and dip into this tiny raggedy stinky gross minuscule maybe like 30 seat black box maybe and yeah saying black box is, is giving it almost too much credit well I mean, folding chairs yeah and yeah and, like, and sewage smell right. basically yeah um and, and that's where it started and that's where we started and do you remember because i remember and it was rap for sure because i have this very very vivid memory bill of because we, I remember you and I were like invited all of our friends and even our Harvard sailing team friends who were our closest friends at the time and with whom we'd been doing sketch for years. They like didn't totally know what we were up to. They knew that we were like them up- and us both. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one really knew what we were up to, ourselves included. Right. But I do have this vivid memory of Jen Curran, another one of our Harvard sailing team mates, um, sitting in that front row, and then we wrapped our song "Cracka," and oh, that God. was one of the first songs that we wrapped. And I remember just seeing her face like light up, like. Like, whoa, this side of Billy and Adam? Right. Like, they want to do this now? I also remember we did a song called Deli Man. Oh, yeah. And I just remember hearing the beat drop for the first time and thinking, uh-oh, now the, these people are seeing me as a rapper. I know. <laughs> this, joke has, this joke has bled out. I know. <laughs> Our I know. own little personal joke has bled out into the world. I know. But it was that feeling, too, of like, if like if you can't handle me at my sketch, then you don't deserve me at my rap. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, uh, like, this is... Uh, <laughs> I felt like it was like this is like this is us like Bill, this is what Billy and I want to do like this is me I love rap I know it doesn't look like I should right. but I really do we came out of the rap closet <laughs> we totally came out of the rap closet when we had to tell our parents that we're making rap music now at least my parents were like okay, oh we support that <laughs> when will you make some money <laughs> <laughs> exactly. When will you possibly make some money? And we were like, we don't know. Probably never. Right. Yeah, yeah. And this was our 20s, man. Yeah. I think that that was such a great quality of our 20s. And specifically, uh, your, your and I relationship yeah. is that uh, we said yes so much. Yeah. I think that is such an important quality as a young artist yes. at 20. You know, you're, it's just so many firsts are presented exactly. to you. Exactly. You know, you your first want... jobs, your first careers, the first time you have to say no to a project, the mm-hmm. first time anyone shows the slightest bit of interest to you as an artist. Mm-hmm. These are all just such pivotal points, and yeah. you have to just go with them. And I think it's been such a good quality of what we've always done. We've always kind of said yes to Absolutely. opportunities. And it's like in the spirit of the artistic community and, of course, of the improv thing. But also, I think you're right, and not to sort of pat ourselves on the back too much, but I think you and I – in particular, that's why I feel like one of the reasons we're so simpatico is because uh, we'd rather take the risk. Right. I would just rather take the risk than not. Than not. Right. And I think that maybe that sounds like trite or obvious, but I don't think that applies to everybody. And I feel like people are, you know, varying degrees of risk averse. But we just aren't. I right. feel like we just you and I aren't that way. And I who doesn't uh, admire someone who's curious? Yeah. 
You know, I I find that curiosity is such a great quality in someone, someone who's willing to ask questions and then listen. Exactly. Because it's the curious person that gets to experience firsts over and over again. Because. Wow. Right. (laughs) Did you just come up with that? I think I just did. Is that true? But it's a curious person that gets to experience firsts over and over again. Yes. I think I just said it twice. So nice. I said it. You just sold so many throw pillows. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay, we're going to end the first act of this, the inaugural No Joke podcast. Definitely. We've been talking about our rap group. We are going to segue into a song by our rap group, Snakes. If you're like me, your dad's making money. How's my dad making money? He's a proctologist. I'm getting top dollar, my dad's a proctologist. 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 When I see a girl I like, I say, show me that ass. And I whisper in her ear, it's the family business. And she should visit us if she wants to have some fun. My dad should check her bungs once every six months. My pops is mad nice. Got a PhD in fixing butts from Brandeis. Got a refrigerator that'll make its own ice. When I was a kid, we went to Disneyland twice a year, motherfucker. Oh, your dad works in finance? Well, here is my stance. My dad can go to work. He don't need pants. He don't need friends. Cause he got money. He's a proctologist. Ain't nothing funny about what he do. A man. Of the people, a man in the people's butts. Let him do what he do. What's number one to my dad is your number two. What's number one to my dad is your number two. I'm getting top dollar, my dad's a proctologist. 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 Big time ballers in the club can't mess with me Listen to me drop true science or colonoscopies Ladies taking numbers just a way to make sex with me Technically dissecting what the state of their rectum be Yo, with my dad it gets as good as it gets If Jay-Z hadn't done it, he'd have bought up the nets When the Porsche's laid up, yo, he rides in his vet Doesn't use toilet paper, only moist towelettes White gloves, white jacket, all white uniform White wife, white kids, white house, green lawn White picket fence keeps a white dog in the yard White pocket calendars rest in a basket by his door People think his job stinks, and it does People think his butt stinks, and it does But my white dad found a lucrative loophole White people bend over, let him search a poop hole Cruising down the street in my Escalade That my daddy done bought for me yesterday Proctology I want to thank Proctology. Me and my girls roll up in the club. Got a bottle of Chris, about to tear it up. Proctology, charge it to Proctology. 8.30 pops, Thompson is Benz. Picked up a bagel and he pays with a 10. 9 to 5, people dropping their pants. Check their ass, take their cash, and he do it again. 8.30 pops, Thompson is Benz. Drop in their pants, check their ass, take their cash, and he do it again. I'm getting top dollar, my dad's a proctologist. 
dollar, my dad's a Brock dollar. Top dollar, my dad's a Brock Welcome back to No Joke. I am Adam Lustig. And I am Billy Scafuri. And uh, that was uh, one of our favorite tracks from the Snakes catalog that was Top Dalla, in parentheses, My Dad's a Proctala. Gist. Um, and that was one of our first, if I may say so myself, our first smash hits. Yeah. I would say. I think our guts determine what is a smash hit, and that one went right to the gut. Our guts tell us that Top Dalla, My Dad's a Proctologist is was a was an absolute banger it was very frequently the song that we would close our ucb concert shows with because it was so absurdly high energy and pertained specifically to butts right so we had you know your audience you got to know your audience right you got to know your audience but centric very audience the ucb is a very butt centric crowd and we wanted to not pander but cater so the way that snakes kind of uh we have beats we were very lucky to uh, be given beats by A friend of mine who I grew up with, and now a friend of yours as well, a Thank guy you. named Mike Perkillo. Uh, he goes by the name Rich Royce. He has multi, he has multiple Grammy Award nominations. I think he's won one for producing a Shaggy album or working on a Shaggy album. That's true. But he has a bucket of beats that uh, real musicians um, didn't want, right. passed on. <laughs> exactly. And that's where Billy and Adam... <laughs> we'll take your trash. We'll go to your garage sale. We'll buy your $1 beats. We will polish those turds. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. Mike is a preternaturally talented musician who literally literally plays every single instrument and has just such a high musical acuity that it was like insane. Yes. It was insane. And we got that beat. And I remember walking through Central Park, just listening to all the beats he had given me, just waiting for something to happen. And Top Dala, my dad's a Proctala, went through my... I think it was probably my headset, whatever I was listening to at the time, my iPod. My iPod. Yes. And we were caterers at the time. Big time. And I called out of work. <laughs> I was walking to work. And you were so inspired. I was just like, there's more work to be done here. <laughs> and I called. And I actually think that the excuse I said to the woman on the line who was taking, who was, was, whose job it was now to replace me, I was like three minutes from my job was a taxi just ran over my foot. <laughs> when the truth was, I am very inspired by this line about proctology. I'm going to need to sit this one out, coach. Exactly. What taxi ran over my foot means is that I have an idea for a song about butts. That will be played on a podcast seven years later. <laughs> Can't go into work today. Yeah, but that was definitely our first – it was definitely our first music video that we shot as Snakes. Yes. Was for Top Dollar, My Dad's a Proctologist. And like we had just mentioned, it was in standard definition. Standard def. Not high def yet. We're talking back in the days of standard def. Right. SD. Definitely. We are now in the second act of this, the No Joke Podcast. Yeah. You can find our podcast by going onto iTunes and just searching No Joke with Billy and Adam. Mm-hmm. You could probably get away with just No Joke. Yeah. Um, but, Although it might lead you to some maybe like anti-joke websites. And you right. You might go down sort of an internet rabbit hole. Then. And I would encourage listeners to click on those and tell us about it. Click on all those. Tell us about it. Maybe start your own podcast about websites that you found in search of the No Joke Podcast. And that can be its own podcast. Okay. So this has turned into an advice podcast. Mm-hmm. You can also email Adam and I, you might not even know this, at nojokepod at gmail.com. Great. I didn't know that until now. I don't know uh, if you have a question for us. Yeah. Maybe you have a topic that you'd like us to explore. Seriously. Um, we would but, love to hear from you. Right. 
You can also follow us on Twitter at Billy Scafiri and at Adam Lustig. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So those are ways of getting to us. We're on social media. We've evolved past standard definition, definition days. Now we're into the high def world. Right. We have Twitter accounts. We have Gmail. Give us a break, guys. Come on. We don't mean to brag, but we're bragging. <laughs> but we have Gmail addresses. <laughs> Second act of this, the No Joke podcast. The topic we are exploring today is firsts. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about the creation of Harvard Sailing mm-hmm. Team, the uh, creation of Snakes, mm-hmm. our two-man operation. Mm-hmm. You and I both moved to Los Angeles, uh, call it four years ago. Yeah, I got to tell you, Bill, it's creeping up on four and a half-ish. Right. Right Not surprised to hear that. Time is continuing to go. Nonstop. (laughs) (laughs) You came out here uh, to work on the television show Punked. I did. Well, yes, I did. That was sort of happenstantial. I didn't come out here specifically to do that, but it, it, hap- it, it the timing of it really? worked out. I thought that you came out to Los Angeles and met a bunch of people while we were still living in New York. Yes. And then you came back to New York and then you said, hey, listen, um, I remember you called me. I was at the beach. Yes. Oh, I said, remember this. hey, I got punked and I have to go to Los Angeles for a while. And I remember two things. One, wow, that's so crazy and cool. And two, my creative heart getting ripped out and being like, okay. This can't be the world's way of ending what we've been working on. And thank God it wasn't because right. you followed right behind and we got a job at the same company. Same company. Across the country. We're cousins. You Billy and I are cousins. <laughs> it was. <laughs> so this company was, uh, so it, that, comp, uh, what was it? Catalyst. Catalyst. Yep. Um, they made Punked mm-hmm. and they, they made Ashton Kutcher vehicles basically. Yes, yes. Things that he would produce. Yes. And I was writing other things. That's right. Some branded content. Things. But I remember moving out to Los Angeles and this was kind of a whole new series of firsts for both of us. For both of us, man. We were experiencing first after first after first. Right. Yeah. Um, what was that like? I mean, just to color your... I mean, first couple of yeah, it was it was insane. I mean, because I had come out here not specifically with the intention of of doing punked, right? Uh, but it was just that the the fella the who was producing it was like literally one of the three human beings I knew out here at the time, right? Time and place, time and place, just it happened to be the time and place. Um, but in terms of like a first sort of L.A. Hollywood gig, it was super surreal. And I know I've told you these. Sort of the the litany of of bizarre goings on that was a celebrity prank show in 2012. The most interesting stuff is the best stuff that went wrong. Oh, it almost all went wrong. I mean, almost all the pranks went wrong. Go all the way to the side of what was the most get me out of here. Because punked is such a fine line to walk. Oh, baby, it is confrontational. I mean, I should also just say that, just to preface it, that, uh, I mean, well, first of all, I just want to say that I I am not, I am not um, prank inclined. Necessarily, right, right, or sort of that confrontational comedy inclined, where like we're you know Harvard Sailing Team really went out of their way to make sure that our comedy brand was very inclusive, right, and was deliberately not exclusive. I would and- define you as the diffuser. <laughs> yeah, when problems arise, you'll diffuse it, even if it doesn't benefit the situation at hand. It will be diffused. I can't handle confrontation, even if it's like third party confrontation, even if it's adjacent to me, not even involving me. So punked is a hellscape for me because that is only confrontation, confrontation. lying from the gate. Only. We're that, here to make your life less comfortable. That's it. That's the whole point of it. And the and the success of a punked is measured by how uncomfortable right. you can make somebody. Right. And how awkward and how bad you can make someone feel. Who did you feel like you made uh, either make them feel the worst or – yeah, who did you make feel the worst? Well, the one – I will say that the one really sort of quote-unquote successful sort of prank that we did on that show that I thought really did – really went well and um, sort of fulfilled the promise of the of like 
it sort of it sort of let me in on why pranks could be fun. Okay, um, was there was one moment where we were pranking whoever the hell the actor was. It was like MTV's Teen Wolf. Okay, kid at the time, like some seventeen year old kid. Taylor Lautner. Mine is yeah. Okay. That sounds. Uh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> Who cares? Totally could have been that. Yeah. Okay. If not Lautner, then probably some other Taylor okay. or Tyler or Tarler. You know. So Tarler Lartner. I think it was Tarler Lartner. Okay, so you're, what's the prank? What's the prank? So the prank was that he was coming through a drive-thru. It was at Rick's uh, drive-thru, which is like in the Silver Lake, Atwater, neck yes. of the woods. And we were – it was just like the game was crappy drive through service. It's like how long could you sort Got of extend it. the drive through experience? You get his order wrong. You miscount the cash. You had a very cathartic uh, experience while doing this. Yeah, this, this was nice. So just fast forward to uh, what you – how you got him. Uh, oh, oh, well, we got him. Well, well – well, we got – well, first of all, I just want to say that we got him. Uh, it ended with me running out into the front of his car, taking a crowbar, yes. me taking a crowbar and and smashing his actual headlights yes. of his actual BMW SUV fancy. Not a prank. Not a prank, just vandalism. Aggressive, just, terrifying vandalism. Just illegal vandalism. So that's – So that's like, a first. So that's a first. That's that, an L.A. first. <laughs> that was my first television-sanctioned crime that right. I was – forced to do yeah moving to los angeles to me came with so many firsts of just uh having to and this is such a stereotype yeah. but new york makes you talk so fast boy oh boy does act it. so fast new york is such an inherently competitive place if you walk too slow you won't get on the subway <laughs> you know if you walk too slow that other guy will get the job That's... you got to cross the street yeah everything is a dog fight it's got a darwinian City. element to it for right. sure yes so having to navigate slowing down and what that actually means mm -hmm. and not slowing down to the degree where suddenly it's like, I don't do anything any day. Mm -hmm. And I think this is how you're supposed to behave here. That took a lot of time for me. Me too. <laughs> we talked about how it was just hard to figure out how to eat. What do you do? How do you know when and from where though? If yeah. you're not walking past the pizzeria, if you're not walking past the falafel place on Lexington Avenue, right. how do you know to eat? The food would find you in <laughs> yeah. New York. Yeah. However, I will say here's a first that I experienced in Los Angeles mm -hmm. um, within the year. Mm -hmm. I did Jake and Amir's podcast. Yes. And the topic of filet fish came up. Okay. And we all had agreed that uh, we had never had the filet fish And if you are the guy within the group who just kind of orders the filet fish when everyone else got burgers, you immediately have a stigma against it. Absolutely. You. Everyone has questions. I, I, would, I didn't even know. I, I, I struggle to remember any one of my peers as a youth who would even – Consider ordering the filet fish. Well, Billy, Amir, and Jake went to McDonald's and got, I believe, two filet fish for the three of us. Oh, God. Which is the most disgusting number of filet fish you can get. <laughs> oh, God. And we each took one bite, got sad, and ordered 10 chicken McNuggets and sat there in silence. <laughs> Looking down at the table. So my firsts uh, are not as exciting as maybe they were 10 years ago. <laughs> it's Freestyle rap concerts at midnight have been replaced by filet fish at three. <laughs> and realizing that it disgusts you. We're not happy here. We're not happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I have yet to have that first. I would actually – I wouldn't mind uh, – Popping my filet fish cherry one of these days, although fish from McDonald's yeah. just feels bad. They only use half a slice of cheese. They don't <laughs> dedicate a full slice of cheese, which is the only – they also, the filet fish is the only seedless bun. Oh. McDonald's doesn't even give them the seed. It's almost as though they're not expecting you to order it. You it's know what like it is? So, so Jake and Amir have a huge fan base. And so as soon as we named the, they named the podcast filet fish all of these fish, fish heads, <laughs> you can laugh. It's okay, Adam. <laughs> yes. 
filet of fish heads. A lot of fish heads started hitting the feeds. I'm talking um, Instagram feeds. I'm talking our Twitter feeds. Fish feeders. And what we learned, uh, the most interesting or the most relevant fact of it all, was that the filet of fish was born out of necessity for religious McDonald's goers. Oh, Because I guess during Lent, oh. you can't eat whatever garbage, hot garbage McDonald's is throwing <laughs> over the counter. <laughs> and you have to eat this. Fish garbage. Hockey fish. It's the grossest. Just the, to me, a, a bad piece of food. It, it's usually not the taste. It's the consistency. And this was like trying to balance something in your mouth. It, 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 and you are, and you are, an eater and you have a sophisticated palate and voracious appetite so i imagine that and well first of all i just want to ask a few questions about it what are the dimensions of the fillet is it a square it's oh good yeah you know what it's <gasps> is a it rectangle. like a rectangle it's like a rect like a bar like a half bar of soap that was breaded <laughs> and um all of the uh solid matter inside of it was uh, strained out so now it's just kind of this gelatinous <laughs> rectangle that is on this seedless bun with half a piece of cheese so and some white sad sauce. <laughs> they just they covered it in sad sauce. I think that's what they call it too. It's the branded sad sauce right. at McDonald's. So, oh my god, Bill. So yeah, that's a huge first for me. That was a massive first. Getting that out of the way. Are there foods that you would never that you are on your do not fly list? Or are you that you would absolutely never try? Because like I said, we're both risk takers and we both love food. We both are good eaters. But I is there something answer. that you absolutely would not? I have my answer. Yes. Um I don't believe I've ever had this. I do believe that you've had probably close to 10,000 pounds of this. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Finish it. Gefilte fish. Go on. <laughs> uh, gefilte fish, uh, for the goyim listening, uh, is basically the salami of fish. It is a mishmash of all different fish chunks and fish parts. The salami of fish is uh, how I describe myself on my business card. <laughs> by the way. Oh, God. Okay, so, go on. It's a mishmash. Your Vildavish is a disgusting, a, a admittedly repulsive and disgusting and wholly unnatural mishmash of fish pieces. I thought that gefilte fish was given to a boy when he becomes a man as punishment. I, I think... <laughs> You're no longer a boy. You're a man now. Eat this salami fish. Eat an unpleasant thing because life is unpleasant in adulthood. Right. The suffering begins today. Thank you, Judaism. I think that you may be thinking of that because I am sure I've told you. I know that I have that for my bar mitzvah. I love this disgusting mishmash of gefilte fish so much. I love uh, gefilte fish so much that when I was bar mitzvah, I specifically requested from the Israeli caterers that I get my own personal, personal pan pizza style, just a personal plate of gefilte fish that had like a... In retrospect, exorbitant and repulsive amount of gefilte fish on it that I annihilated in probably 30 seconds flat. In the world of firsts on this podcast, that is probably your first disgusting decision. That was that was maybe certainly my first disgusting food decision. Did they put icing, uh, you're a man now, Adam, on your gefilte fish oh as god. if it was a Baskin-Robbins cake? Oh my god, I, I literally almost just, I, I got legitimately sick when you said that. The notion of icing on gefilte fish. I just imagine like some sort of fish paste. I mean, there's got to be layers to how disgusting your decision has already started. It's so disgusting. Let me just put it this way. Gefilte fish doesn't need to be refrigerated. What? When you go to search for gefilte fish in the supermarket, it's just in the dry food aisle and it's fish. So that should tell you all you need to know about gefilte fish. So astronauts can just take as much gefilte fish as they want mm -hmm. on a rocket ship, mm -hmm. not worry about just like all their dehydrated foods, yeah. just have gefilte floating around. Okay. It's fine. So be very very, very suspicious of gefilte fish because it doesn't need to be refrigerated. It's not a member of the animal kingdom. A gefilte fish is not a fish. Mm -hmm. Gefilte is probably Yiddish for disgusting mishmash of. Yes. Uh, and yes, so you would, so you're telling me there is nothing that you, and I know you hate fish. It's because you have like an anti fish, you have an anti fish bias. I don't like to be fish. Frank. I don't yeah. trust animals without feet. <laughs> 
Don't give me a snake. No. Don't give me a worm. But most of all, don't give me a fish. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. I feel like I could take most land animals on if I had to. Yeah. You're brawny. I, I'm, on, I'm, I'm on my turf. At least I can come up with a game plan. Absolutely. Fish... I mean, lakes and oceans are the fish house. Okay. You know? You're going into a foreign country. They have ways of slipping around me. Quite literally. I can't defend these fish. No way. So I don't want to play with them in lakes, and I don't want to eat gefilte fish in delis. And it's weird because, I mean, I guess the only thing is, is that because you see them as your natural nemesis, that you wouldn't take joy or relish the opportunity in eating their dead carcasses. You also, your disgust of them transfers into, into the sort of, into the food, the food realm. I think that the real way to disrespect somebody is to pay them no mind. And well so, said. That's another one uh, going on our uh, embroidered on our pillows that you could throw pillows. That's the second pillow on Billy and Adam, throwpillows.tumblr.com. The best way to disrespect someone is to pay them no mind would be an amazing throw pillow. We talked about delis and we talked about fish. Let's segue into our second song of the episode. We had mentioned that we performed this song yep. a long time ago. Again, yep. this is off of our first album yep. called Not Ready to Die, yes. which is built off of the Notorious B.I.G. album, Ready to Die. And he was and he did. Okay. You can download these albums by going to, I believe it's billionadam.bandcamp.com. Yep. If it's not, search Billy and Adam Snakes. Yeah. The song is called Deli Man. Mm -hmm. It comes with about a minute and a half of mm -hmm. uh, what you might call some audio sketch comedy. Mm -hmm. But we will <laughs> check back in with you in about five or six minutes. Enjoy it. No reference of fish in the song. Absolutely not. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, Papa, how are you? Uh, I'm going to keep it simple. Just a roast beef and cheddar, please. Okay, no problem. As a matter of fact, do you have American cheese? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'll take that. Okay. No cheddar? Or you yeah, so that's roast beef, cheddar, and American. Oh, okay, both cheese. Yeah, thank you. Very good, no problem. As a matter of fact, you know what? Throw turkey on that, too. Yep. We'll call it an American hero, right? Okay, that's fine. Yes, that's lettuce, tomato, and mayo. Right. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, I put some bacon on that. I don't know. Yeah, bacon. yeah, yeah. No, no, more bacon, more bacon. You want the yeah, more yeah, bacon? Yeah, yeah, Okay. Yeah, no problem. You convinced me. No, you convinced me. You know what? If we're doing salty meats, throw salami. Yep. Yeah, corned okay. beef. Okay. That's yeah, fine. throw it all on there. I don't care. Just fine. Everything. Make it a big sandwich, right? I'm starving. <laughs> and you want the, the mustard? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mustard's fine. Mustard's fine. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, and that can fit on whole wheat bread? Yeah, whole wheat. No, okay, problem. yeah, whole wheat bread, please. Yeah, perfect. Yep, no problem. And then, can you make it a wrap? Instead can of the bread? No, 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 you can leave it on the bread, leave it on the bread. Oh. Just can you wrap up the bread as well? Just wrap up the whole Great. wheat. Great, thank okay. you very yeah, much. Yeah, that's no problem, man. And then, when that's wrapped up, yeah, perfect. Can you just put it on a hero? And yep. then just, if you've got toothpicks, put just keep it all in check. Keep it together, perfect. no problem, no problem. And then I'll also take a side of honey mustard, if you don't mind. And okay. you can put that on whole wheat bread as well. Okay, just put the mustard on No, no, on you can leave it in the plastic container. Oh. Just put bread on either side of the plastic container. Okay, no problem. That's fine. Perfect. Yep. And my girlfriend wanted a soup wrap. Do you make soup wraps? A soup wrap? Where you just kind of pour a bunch of soup in a wrap, tie it up, mm -hmm. and hope that it doesn't pour all I, over your car? I don't, is that something? No? I don't know if that's... Okay, mm. then just my giant sandwich. Okay. How much is that? Two fifty. Awesome. Deli man, he's doing all that he can. 
he's Delhi, all that he meant. I'm at the, I'm at the D to the E to the L I. Well, hi, I'd like to introduce myself. I am a swell guy. Hi, wretches to five. I don't mean to pry. I'm here in line and I'm looking for your deli guy. And there he is, he can't see over the counter. He got more deli meats than he can even counter. Pounder, turkey, put it on a roller. Thank ya, no habla inglés, he's saying hola. His way or the Milky Way. Got a lot to eat, not a lot to say. Nine times out of ten, his name's Jose. Make your sandwich, make your day. Oh, Mr. Deli Man, doing all you deli can. I'm proud to announce to you this deli anthem. Deli Man, he's doing all that he can. So put an extra dollar into that man's hand and tip your deli man. He's doing all that he can. He's deli all that he man. So pay respect to your deli man. What are your sandwich demands, baby? Little pastrami, maybe? Your chicken cutlets with gravy? You know anything you say and he hears you. Been laying down the illest grilled cheeses for years. Or would you like a BLT? But hold the B and the T. Essentially just an L. He'll make it tasty as hell. There's a hole in your belly he's filling it. Your order roast beef, it's understood that he's grilling it. Brilliant. And his little lemon ices, he tells you that he's a Pisces. And you figure that's the reason he's so nice. Plus you're mesmerized by the way that he slices. Ain't even raising his prices despite the state of his global financial crisis. He's your deli man. He's doing all that he can. So put an extra dollar into that man's hand. Tip your deli man. He's doing all that he can. He's deli all that he man. That's right, cause he's your deli man. He's working with honey ham. So put an extra dollar into that man's hand. Tip your deli man. He's doing all that he can. Where is he? He's in the back stacking cans. That's right. Uh. Yo, listen up, New York delis. We rely on you more than maybe even you know. You give us our coffee. You give us our newspapers. Good news. But if you think you're a deli, yeah, I'm looking at you all bong Stupid fake ass deli. If your coffee's cost over a dollar, you ain't no deli. If you offer health insurance, you sure as hell ain't no deli. Cause Snakes knows a deli when we see one. There's usually a funny looking little man behind the counter. The deli man. 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 That was Deli Man by Adam and I, Snakes. Adam, uh, repeat the line that I believe is the best line in the uh, Snakes catalog. Okay, okay. It goes, uh, um, uh, you mesmerized by the way that he slices ain't even raising his prices despite the state of this global financial crisis. He's your deli, deli man. Topical. Topical. Despite the state of this global, global financial, financial crisis. And remember, just to set the scene, it's like 2008. We're in the middle of the of the real estate Hella crash. topical. Okay, so not only is it about delis, but it's about the American economy as That well. was the moment where uh, people actually got excited about us. That was like the first, not only just like cute, look at these guys trying, where it was like, hey, wait a minute. You read the internet too? (laughs) You also read the newspaper? Yeah. Yeah, That was great. Oh, that was so fun. I think that uh, a hope for both of us is that people who are maybe unfamiliar with the musical stuff that we've done will uh, take interest in our music because I think we, most of the songs that we still, uh, that we've rapped about years ago still uh, are relevant. They are the truest part of our soul. They're about delis. Delis. Underwear. The movie Home Alone. The things that we... Chicken. 
a chicken masturbating. The things that we know, the things that we care about, the okay. things that touch our lives. Okay. Yes. So this is the third act of this, the No Joke Podcast. Please like, rate, subscribe to us, review us on iTunes. Only positively, though, no negative reviews. We have very thin skin. Yes, very thin skin, <laughs> and our parents will probably read it. So just think <laughs> about everyone involved. Yeah, yeah. If you have something nasty to say, make that a private email. You know, you send that to nojokepod at gmail.com. Exactly. Thank you. So the theme of this episode has been first. First. We've uh, definitely gone left and right off of that topic, but Naturally. ultimately we've tried to stay in line. I think we're doing okay. This is the first podcast of This the No Joke. Right. Um, Perhaps this is the first time that you, the listening audience, will be exposed to Billy and Adam or snakes. There you Hopefully go. that will be the case. Right. And I think that uh, what we've aimed to do is that in this, the third and final act of This the Podcast, is to talk about uh, the future how it relates to the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe first things that we would like to do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Things that in a few years we'd like that to be our first time going there, doing this, eating this. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything or have you ever had anything mm-hmm. that you've wished uh, to be a first in the coming years? I know this is like a super dull, I know this is like a super dull answer and like it's, it's just very uh, unfunny, um, but I, I still would like to learn how to play properly a musical instrument. I feel like this is like a very cliched, like job application thing to say right. about what would be a first thing that you would like to do. But I still can feel... you play anything? Hell no. I mean, I have natural rhythm and I can sort of like fake it on the drums, but like not really. Right. But I would love to know how to play not the harp, but maybe the harp. That seems like the least, uh, Easy instrument to bring to a lesson. And easily, definitely the most cumbersome. I'd like to learn how to play the baby grand piano, and I need to bring it to my practice place. And I will not compromise. I will not start learning on a Yamaha. <laughs> I need to start learning on the baby grand. A harp. <laughs> <laughs> the harp to me feels unique. I do like the sound quality of the harp. Joanna Newsom's pretty cool. That's your list? There's an infinite amount of there's an infinite amount of instruments in the world, and you went with harp because it's pretty cool, and Joanna Newsom is also pretty cool. So yeah, so I mean, I guess I'm just saying that when when you asked me, the yeah. first thing that came to my mind was like, I think I, I a first that I would still like to check off the bucket list. I would say I have a question um, about harp. Yeah, um, you won't have the answer, but Definitely let's not. talk about it. I'll fake it. Um, when angels go up on the cloud, yeah. They get harps. Yeah. But if they weren't harp players when they were living people, do you get automatic harp power when you get to the cloud? Or do you take a couple classes and then you become an angel and then you get your harp? I've literally, literally had the same thought. Okay. And I have assumed that once you die and once you pass St. Peter's Pearly Gates into heaven, that you are imbued automatically with full expert level harp harp power. That That's what I've always assumed. Now, you bring up an interesting point, which is I wonder if angels take classes in how to be properly be angels. Or I'm curious as well mm-hmm. um, if what the conversation is like when they say, okay, so that's going to be your cloud over there. And by the way, you can rock the harp. You so can absolutely are... destroy the harp yeah. here. Yeah. When, so... you, when you die and you get your cloud out of yes. it. You'll get your heart. Yes. So do you think it's worth it for you to waste your time now on earth learning it when you'll be bestowed that gift in, call it, 100 years? Pardon my French. First of all, 100 would be amazing. Pardon my French, but that is a friggin' great point. Yeah. So, yeah, good call. Screw the harp here on earth. I'm getting those skills when I leave this this planet. Right. So 
Good call, Billy. Okay, so maybe you'll get another instrument. Absolutely. Thank you for in real time assuaging me of that of that of that wish. I do not. I no longer officially no longer want to learn the harp. This is an unofficial advice podcast. Exactly. We're just going to be coming up with so many profound truths, like angels with harp power. Exactly. You're going to get something. From You're going to get something out of it for sure. So when Yo Yo Ma dies, yeah, yeah, he's a cellist. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yo Yo Ma dies. Yeah. And he gets his cloud. Do you think he's going to be allowed to play the cello, or do you think they say? Sorry, this is kind of harp town. This is sort of a harp. This is a harp neck of the woods. And if you're Yo-Yo Ma, do you say, I play the cello? Don't you know who I am, Angel? St. Peter, don't you know who I am? I'm the world's preeminent cellist. I wonder if he could play the cello. Because you never really see an angel playing the violin or like the conga drums. I would imagine that there's probably some sort of compromise. Let's say that I'm sure that Yo-Yo Ma dies, goes to heaven, meets St. Peter. He says, congrats. Can't wait to have you on first chair harp. He goes, hold up, Pete. I actually play the cellist. You know that. And if there was a way that I could still play the cello up here on my cloud, that would be great. Right. I would imagine that it probably comes just at a caveat that St. Peter would say, that's fine, Yo-Yo Ma. You can play the cello, but on Wednesday taco night, you have to start at the back of the line. That there's some sort of condition that it might be a conditional, okay. a conditional deal that okay. they would strike out where you could play the instrument of your choosing, but you learn that, you, but you lose certain other heavenly privileges. Wow, perhaps, okay. perhaps I'm guessing. I don't know how Saint Peter runs his house. I don't right. know what he does up there. I don't either. Yeah, we have to wait and find out. We got to wait and find out. But what we do know is that it comes with heart power. Yeah. What um, do you think the official instrument of hell is? Um, probably the bagpipe. Just people just bellowing on, just like a monotone. Whereas bagpipe. you get full heart power in hell, you're never taught how to play the bagpipe, and yet you, hell, everyone rather. has to play. You have to just learn. <laughs> you have to just learn bagpipe for the rest of eternity, and you never. That's so funny. That is that is that is hellish. Yeah. To be to try to learn to unsuccessfully learn the bagpipe for the rest of time. Yes. You know what? My first. You know what? I want my future first to be. Tell me. I want to be, and we've talked about this at mm-hmm. length, I want to be one of the first people to uh, give in to the robot wars. Yeah, man. Rather, to cross over from being, relying on just my heart, I want to be a first rounder for some sort of chip. I know you do, Bill. I know you do. This is, this is something that I feel, feel philosophically ambiguous about, and I am inspired by your full force, open-hearted Open-hearted and clear-minded embrace of um, the singularity. Becoming, a singularity and us becoming robots. Right. I know that you want that. I so for the people that. at home, the singularity yeah. is um, something that Ray Kurzweil came up with. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a Netflix documentary about it, Transcendental Man. Yep. You really only have to watch the first half hour to kind of get his whole philosophy. But yep. what he states, he's a theoretical scientist, meaning that he projects where the world will be in 30 years. And he starts inventing today based on what our needs will be in the and future. And he has a spotless track record. Everything he's predicted has happened categorically and empirically. Yes. Through. This may not be his official title, but it's something like chief technology officer or some sort of futures officer for Google now. Exactly. Head he, of future. Yeah. The future. <laughs> the future. The human incarnation of future. Yeah. Ray Kurzweil. Yeah. He projects that by the year 2039, the human body will, uh, and this is where people are going to listen and know more than me, mm-hmm. but I believe the, the, what they're saying is that we will cross over from being completely biologically co- mm-hmm. dependent and go te- technologically mm-hmm. dependent, meaning that parts of our body could die, mm-hmm. but that won't be a problem because we'll have microtechnology mm-hmm. coursing through our systems. Mm-hmm. That would like cure diseases or like preemptively sort of uh, in- improve our health? I think that the big pull quote would be that it would eradicate natural death. Seriously. And as That's someone, really what Mr. Kurzweil thinks. I mean, his, he seems to really truly believe that he is going to live forever. This is why I'm so down with this. Yeah. Because in 2039, I will be 
58 years old. Oh, you're going to make some answer 58 year old. Thanks, Adam. You're welcome, Bill. Have lived such a long, not a long, but a long enough biological life mm-hmm. where I'd be down to at least be like, I read that book. I've read it 58 times. I'm ready for some sort of new book. Heck yeah. Uh, look, you, man, on the other hand. I mean, I think I'm a little bit more... I think I'm a little bit more skeptical, a little bit more skeptical than you that we're going to get there as fast as Rick Kurzweil says. We are in terms of like full fusing of human and robot and like implanting microchips in our bloodstream to eradicate disease. Okay. I, I That sounds dr- like dreamy, dreamy to me. I just am uh, maybe just a hair more cynical. But honestly, Bill, if we got there and I had the chance to like go to the doctor and I was confronted with the choice to like have a artificial intelligence microchip implanted in my blood right hell yeah yeah I'm doing it you know it's such a big broad concept to be 2039 and like natural life here's here's an even more simple want i want one of our eyeballs to be removed and replaced with a supercomputer eyeball okay that has the same exact vision i'm just the phone will become passe google glass no, but an eyeball yeah just the eyeball where all of the information that we'll need in this increasingly networked world will just go straight through our eyeball and into whatever supercomputer our body has at that point. That feels right. That feels right. natural. That feels... The that... fact that you can even say that feels natural <laughs> lets me know that at some point this will happen and there'll just be a wave where everyone gives up there. Call it your left eye. I mean, Lisa left eye Lopez and computer left eye computer. <laughs> <laughs> Those will be the two... Kind of Wikipedia pages for left eyes. Computer, left eye, computer. The fourth member of TLC that no one talks about. <laughs> Chili T-Boz and left eye computer. <laughs> left eye computer. Uh, I would be down for that future, Billy. I would I would embrace that. And like... That's a first I'd, ready, I'd be ready for. Yeah. You want... And I love that you want to be on like the first wave. Like would you... But you would literally submit yourself to like a guinea pig like experiment where it was like we don't really know how this is going to work. But like we're literally field testing, like beta testing these... These minor microchips, you would do that? Yes, and here's why. At the beginning of this podcast, you and I both talked about how in your 20s, you don't know why you're doing some of the things you're doing, but your gut is saying you have to pursue this. Yes. And I don't want to lose that spirit. And you're inspired. So why not uh, get rid of my left eye and replace it with a supercomputer? <laughs> In the spirit of sketch comedy in your 20s, why not lose your left eye and replace it with a supercomputer? In your late 50s. <laughs> no, Billy, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. And, like, to be honest with you, you're one of the singular uh, driving forces in my life. You're one of the most future positive people I know, where I think I am inclined to be a little bit more um, dystopian when I think about the future. I really admire and, in my darkest moments, latch onto you, your Billy's optimism about what the future could bring and that fusing with robots and, and becoming human laptops isn't a bad thing. That's going to be fun. We just got to talk about it for 30 years and then the edge will be taken off. I think you're right though. <laughs> yes. That's how most problems ultimately get solved. I think you're we right about that. We just have to discuss it, become numb to it. New problems will arrive that will seem even bigger than these. Yes. Just get rid of your left eye. Problems. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing though, Bill, not to call you a hypocrite in any way, but like you didn't get the Google glass when it came out. Like right. you, because you already – I'm an early lost. adopter on the things that need early adoption. Google Glasses made you look so stupid. So stupid. Segway. So stupid. So stupid. You got to wait. Give it three generations. You're right. You're absolutely right. And well, that's the future. Yeah. Yeah, Bill. I, uh, I, I, 
I don't know if I would be so bold and so brave to like sign up for some sort of like uh, beta testing situation. Uh, but I would definitely go with you, and then we could go to McDonald's afterward and grab a fish fillet. Okay, if you wanted to, like I, I don't know don't. if you have plans for after the after the beta test. But if you I, don't, if you're I, free for lunch that day, I don't have plans, but I don't want another fillet of fish. <laughs> So you don't have plans, but you know that you plan to not get a fillet fish. I've already done that first. <laughs> no room for a second in that world. I've done that first. And we, my friend, have done our first wow. episode on the topic of firsts. Wow. Well, this was a first-rate delight. Excellent. Excellent. Um, big shout out to Adam Block who helped uh, helped us with the logo. He's the best. Of course, big thanks to Jake and Amir and Marty at HeadGum. Always. Thanks to Spreaker for hosting our podcast. And uh, once again, please go to No Joke on iTunes. Uh, review, rate, tell us what you want. And uh, we'll be back weekly to keep musing on what we're musing on. Yeah, exactly. Whatever comes to mind that day. But definitely check out our throw pillows on the website and send us any filet of fish you want. And that goes to uh, nojoke at uh, gmail.com. That was a HeadGum podcast. <laughs>